Hello, and welcome to The Dirt, a podcast that's usually about archaeology, anthropology, and our shared human past. I'm Anna. And I'm Amber. And it's still about that. But, yeah. But we... But so I would shared like, human present, sort of. Oh, man. I would like to tell everyone about our <laughs> shared human past, and hopefully in ways that won't get us like weirdly flagged on Spotify. Oh, but no. I have COVID. And Anna yep. has COVID because I hurt the ones I love. <laughs> and the ones you love give you rides to the grocery store. Yeah. And, and foolishly, return, foolishly, I should have, I should have known better. I should have masked. I just wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking either. Guys, listeners, it's friends, not over. <laughs> The surge is real. It's not over. Uh, it yeah, hasn't been so, over. So Please ever, stay safe out there. <laughs> ever a trendsetter. Uh, and an meanwhile, adopter, you get... <laughs> I got... Eris. Oh, you got the, uh, the, got the, the European, the continental I got, <laughs> COVID. <laughs> I did. And I came home and I brought it to Anna. And that is why, dear listeners, oh, dear those followers... cookies are still in the car. Dear... Mm, those are going to be some... The <laughs> Those, those are going to be some melted cookies. <laughs> oh, mm. ungrateful. Um, so <laughs> I, I loved the other gift you got me, COVID. <laughs> so that is why, listeners, um, if why you are like, like man, I wish I had access to Ghost. Um, I wish you did too. I haven't finished mm-hmm. that yet. Um, it may, I may, you you may see a, a promo code coming across the socials before the next episode comes out um but i don't know we'll um, see we'll see thank you for thank you for being patient with thank us thank you for you being know. patient um, and also thank you for being excited mm-hmm. if you still are mm-hmm. um but but also that is um also why we aren't going to have a like conventional episode this week uh because again covid um yeah we're doing yeah. but we still wanted to bring you content yes and, and we are going to do so and it is going to be related to anthropology and the history of our discipline and it is actual real research mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah so i figured um life updates first we can have yeah we can just have a little we can um catch up a little bit and then um, I have a very special presentation um, for for everyone. <laughs> I don't have time to do this, but I want to sound design it so it's like the old school like projector kind of whirring <laughs> every <laughs> every time I hit go to the next oh. slide. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can just no. I'll, do, I'll do foley. You, you? No, boy. Wow, okay, wow. okay. Uh, but yeah, so so Anna, um, how's it going? Things are actually going pretty well for me specifically. I, I mean, I think listeners know at this point that I've moved. I'm no longer in Oklahoma. I am in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I, I don't know how much I mentioned this on the regular show and the main feed or on bonus episodes, but... Um, I recently had an, not an episode, but like I had a period at work where I was really, really struggling and I couldn't figure out why. And my mental health was really, really just deteriorating. And so I got help. I saw a therapist and 
eventually got referred to someone who said, hey, maybe you should um, go undergo screenings for ADHD. And so I did. And turns out, uh, probably been coping with undiagnosed ADHD my whole life. And those coping mechanisms just sort of broke down. Um, and I am now on meds for ADHD. It's great. They're working well, I think. I mean, I feel like I'm back in the saddle, having <laughs> never really gotten in the saddle in the first place. I, I, right. Yeah. See, that, I'm yeah, not that's a horse guy. That's a, yeah. that's a challenging thing yeah. anyway, to be like, is this working? I don't know. It different. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm differently, I have to sort of reconfigure the way I think about how I do tasks. And, and there's some ongoing other mental health stuff that I hasn't really, I haven't had a chance to really talk it through with a therapist yet. So I'm not going to put it out on Maine yet, but I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about it at some point. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I'm very grateful that I, you know, have a job and insurance and I can get those yeah. meds and well, help my brain access the care that you need and deserve. And I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I, uh, Yeah. That has been sort of an adjustment, a lengthy adjustment um, in a good way. Things are kind of changing at work in that I'm going to be sort of taking over one of the main production roles um, for one of the shows that our team produces at APM. And so I'm sort of gradually learning how to do it from the person who is currently the producer and who is currently cooking up a little human being. So it's going to go on maternity leave, not like in a pot, Amber. No, she's, she's going to, she's going to have a oh, baby. No. And, um, the forbidden cassoulet. No, those are human <laughs> beans. Oh no. Oh no. No, she's going to be on maternity leave. And, and then after that, when she returns to work, I, on maternity I will leave? still return to Yeah. I will still be the main producer for one of those. Shows. So, so I'm, I'm learning a whole bunch and last week, she was out <laughs> on vacation, a very much needed vacation. And like day one, hour one of me being deputy sheriff in charge of this show, I broke the show. <laughs> <laughs> how? But I learned how to, I learned how, how to fix it. I just, <laughs> so. how did, what did you like accidentally like set off an EMP and it just like, <laughs> Like I mean, erased all the drives. Like how? Yeah, but why are you basically, <laughs> if EMP stood for everything missing in this podcast episode, <laughs> um, no. So I, it was uh, a mistake that involved. So we we keep everything on uh, shared Dropbox files, and I had accidentally overwritten uh, an episode file with the incorrect episode file, which was empty. But there is a way to reverse that. I learned how to do it. And so after like a couple, just like three hours of me going, come on, <laughs> just stay one. Um, like alone I, in your house. No, I mean, I was on Slack, like with my no, coworkers. But, but I mean, you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one else was here. Naomi's away on, or was, she's back, but she was away on field work. And I was just like, oh, I broke it. Hell. Uh, so it was a teachable moment. Uh, you know, it's too late to make a long story short, but I'm learning a lot and both about myself and <laughs> my work <laughs> about basic file maintenance. Well, in my defense, 
no, you don't need to defend you. It's fine. <laughs> like these things. It was a goof. You yeah, know, I fixed it. Happens, but I fixed it. You fixed it. And yeah. you recovered. Yeah, that episode's just fine now. And mm-hmm. I've been I've been whipping up episodes left and right. Sound design, I have to say, is one of my very favorite things. It's really fun. Aww. Like I as a person who kind of thinks in cartoons anyway, yeah. I sort of think in like panels and like yeah. with sound effects. So the ability to just kind of whoop, like siphon that out of my brain and slap it right onto oh, a, yeah. a track is, is very gratifying. I was like, yeah. yeah, that is how it should sound when a, <laughs> when a frog catches a fly. Or like, what would it sound like if a what bug was, was putting little little poop on its back as a shield? What was it? You sent me something like it was like a... a- a shed full of bees or something. There was some sound effect that you sent me while I was oh, away. So was yeah, some, there's, you had some option that was like, yeah, oh. why? <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was sound designing an episode about bees. Um, and so we have a program called soundly that is this huge sound library uh, that in, it interfaces with the program that we use to sound design. So you can just Which, like, which previously I only knew as the thing that that you and I made Naomi listen to every entry in the fart catalog. Yeah, it has a whole night. fart category. And um, <laughs> yep, you can do either designed or real. Yes. <laughs> Those are, <laughs> um, and, and it's options like high pitched through shorts or like. Oh, there was a no, okay, walking the through the woods. Okay, <laughs> bees. Um, so, but that that is an indicator that's like a lot of these files have been sort of compiled from lots of sources, and some of them have very funny titles, whether on purpose or not, probably not. But this one, I, I was just like, so I just needed a regular recording of like a bumblebee just like tootling by. Just, and one of the options was bees, a lot of them. And it was yep. just like a f- it's the one I used. It was <laughs> it was helpful, but it's just bees. A lot of them, yeah. as if you were naming it like in the field, being like like thinking that you're running you're away from a swarm of bees. Thinking your Zoom or whatever you used to record it was a like a, a means of contacting help. Please, please, there are a lot of bees here. <laughs> bees, stop! A lot of them, stop. um Um, yes yeah uh yeah so i'm glad that uh bees (laughs) files we all have (laughs) so they're all these are all you know facets of of your job that always charm me and um i have the best job i don't don't care what anyone else says some of the things that i do for work well and have done for work i realize i'm very very lucky uh but no then you know i i am too so you um you are you know making time for yourself and taking time for yourself and I think that's extremely valuable and is and you know is is part of the sort of uh soup sludgy soup that uh like flies in an airsats joke about waiters um and and so that's sort of what's what's been going on here with the show I had I had a like a big old, big old slice of depression, um, a little while back, and just like couldn't shake it. I mean, I, I eventually did, uh, but it was like really, really bleak uh, there for a minute. It was a thick slice. Ugh, thick, thick slice. Um, yep, 
And <laughs> so, yeah, so we, <laughs> we've really been going through it. Uh, 2023 has been too, too much, too much year in this year. Um, but we're still here. We are mm. still generating content. Um, mm-hmm. We think it is good. We still get reviews and feedback to that effect. There was that one review that gave us five stars, but also <laughs> a issued a correction. It was like, fair like... enough. I got a thing wrong. <laughs> but it just like... <laughs> like a weird compliment tartine of just like <laughs> great podcast this is wrong it's <laughs> like cool um no I, I take that in the spirit that it was given i think it was exactly friendly yeah yeah we're in our fifth year of of doing this mm-hmm. and uh we're not we're here we're queer we're in our fifth year <laughs> We're still not used to it. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, so if you have enjoyed the past uh, 17 minutes and six seconds, uh, perhaps you will like the um, newest slice of content that will be uh, on our premium feeds when I get it fixed, Um, which will just be us uh, having a gab. Mm -hmm. And and so we'll, we'll talk about... Uh, stuff going on, stuff we've seen. Um, things it may that... touch on archaeology and anthropology. Oh, it will. I mean, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> By default, we're two two human yeah. beings, so yeah, and it so is anthropology. I, I've, been, ah. I've been I've been working on a list of um, things to bring to Anna's attention uh, while mics are are on, um, and just be like, frankly, otherwise Anna's this? oblivious. <laughs> And uh, but for now, um, mm-hmm. we can we can get on to today's um, actual content. I, I realize that you are segueing into the yeah, content, but I, sure I have I a couple. I have a couple of thank yous, and I I, I want to thank Laura for sponsoring. <laughs> Ask and and you shall receive. Because I on the last episode, the the Gebekli Tepe episode, I <laughs> just giggled about how much I love Scarabray and Laura sponsored an episode about Scarabray and the Orkney Isles. So I will be able to treat you to that whenever it fits in on the roster of well, other after after our backlog other, of sponsored I know, episodes that we I know, previously thanked people for. Well I'm I'm not telling them for your benefit, I'm telling them for the listeners, but I'm to be like, hey. No, <laughs> we haven't we haven't forgotten about those. Um I also want to thank TikTok user McKenna. Someone I work with follows this person and they apropos of nothing, recommended our show on TikTok and was like, these are podcasts I listen to. And oh, it was, wow. we were among good company. Oh, well, um, that's nice. I thought that was really neat. Those are my thank yous. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that was a natural cut. <laughs> but every time I test myself within a couple minutes, it's like, lol, you thought. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just so detectable. That T um, line, bam! <laughs> See, T, you got it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Um, I hope that Anna is feeling okay and hasn't been lying to me uh, about the severity of your symptoms because I, again, feel extremely You can guilty. see and hear me. I know, but I, but you don't know what's going on inside someone. Tell you what's going on inside. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm always inside? sweating. Yes, feels like it. I don't know. One of my one of my symptoms and has I been know. one of my long COVID flare ups is just I am so warm, 
just a little hot water bottle, a sweaty one. Oh, uh, you and the guy next to me on my flight out of, out of Denmark. Hey, why were you in Denmark? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, I went to Aarhus, Denmark um, for the 56th seminar for Arabian Studies at beautiful Aarhus University and uh, the Muscar Museum. It was um, hosted there this year um, in observation of the uh. 70th anniversary, of the jubilee of the first scientific expedition to the Arabian Peninsula uh, since 1953, um, Muscar Museum, um, and and then sort of by extension uh they aren't they're sep they're separate entities but they're both based in orhos um they have uh run um joint excavations and research of materials from kalat al bahrain um which is a, f- a fort uh that's what the kalat means it's forts of uh bahrain and um they discovered wink dillman so when we've talked about Delman before, um, a great deal of what we know about uh, Delman and its um, associated sites on um, the modern state of Bahrain, um, that is owing to work pioneered um, in uh, all senses of the word, word we love uh, by um, by Globe and Bibby and uh, the work of the Muscar Museum. This was uh, a great, great opportunity for somebody <laughs> who is um, keenly interested in the history of Arabian archaeology. Uh, that this is a um, this is an occasion to to they this is somebody drew a line and said this is when it started. I submitted an abstract. Uh, it was accepted, and I presented a paper, and I will be sharing that paper with y'all. Um, but um, but this was my first. Um, so you know, I've I've presented at conferences like smaller conferences before, and like you and I have done like roundtable-y stuff for the AAA um, and things like that. But this was my first. This was like my first. Like this was New Amber's first time out test driving the old affiliation, um, and uh, so I was I was you know nervous super nervous um very excited love talking about my special boy you haven't mentioned who your special boy is yet oh, in this episode boy's phillips okay just <laughs> to be clear that we are we are going to be talking about wendell phillips this was really scary for me because this was my first time going back out into um, into the field, however you want to describe it. And, you know, something that I left quite, um, suddenly and, um, ignomiously. And I, uh, it was just very scary. So it had been like, you know, over a decade that I'd been away and I was like, Oh God, am I going to see somebody who hates me? And I like, and there are people who like, who probably, there are people who probably have never thought about me again. And, for the best. Um, but there are people who, um, have, um, 
hold unkind views and un- uncharitable thoughts about me. Um, and I was like, ugh, what if I encounter some of them? And what if they're mean to me? Or what if I have to, you know, it was also like I had a few scripts, sort of mental scripts of just like people that maybe I want to apologize to or people that I maybe want to start a new relationship with or people that I want to uh, just run away to the bathroom, which the bathrooms there are civilized and the doors go all the way to the floor. So I could just <laughs> hide in the bathroom. <laughs> so grateful for that. Um, but, but actually it was just a really, um, a really positive experience where I met new folks, um, and, um, met, met up with professor of the show, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> who I talked I to. I hope you gave him my best and reminded him who I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, we chatted for a couple minutes and then mm, mm, love this guy. He was like, I'm really sorry. I need to get back in there so I can mansplain this woman's work. Um, and I got to get Did back to Did he say my- that? Because he was on the panel of respondents. Okay. And he's like, I, I'm sorry, I need to get back in here so I can mansplain this woman's work to her. Um, I'm needed on my mantle. <laughs> and... <laughs> Because, <laughs> and I was just like, ah, he still got it. Uh, because indeed, he never lost it. This was just a, uh, uh, just a bunch of uh, middle-aged white guys being like, hmm, <laughs> in response to seventy. This was the seventy-year retrospective, um, and I wasn't there for it because I was in my session. Uh, but apparently, the the organizer. Um, 70 is, years, colon, nothing's changed. The, the the organizer, like, realized what he had done, which, like, I'm glad it happened at all. It would have been really cool if it had happened at any point before he was sitting on the stage next to three other white men um, as <laughs> the realization, like, went over his face and he was just, like, mortified. Um, everybody can look forward to content from the Muscar Museum, which was mm-hmm. – very cool. It was um, like some really, really, really impressive um, interpretation and like educational stuff going on. Like really, mm-hmm. really, really great. Um, also some stuff where like some um, choices were made. There, there were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some some choices in favor of violence uh, were made, both in terms of it there being like a lot of violence on display, and also just like um, violent history. A, a profoundly racist. <laughs> representation of some some stuff in history um but we can talk about all of that in the future for now um i what i'm gonna do about your boy what i'm gonna do with our remaining time together is um i'm i'm basically gonna read my conference paper um and um so i'm not gonna share i'm not gonna put like slides or anything out for anyone because um there are some there's some stuff that i don't have the rights to um uh, because this was just, or I haven't gone through, I haven't, you know, I haven't done the stuff that needs to be done. Uh, because this, this, this stuff is um, based in archival work. Uh, so I am an historian now, um, and it feels feels weird. Uh, but my, um, but my paper, uh, my paper's title <laughs> is "Encountering Wendell Phillips in the Archives." Ah. Ah. There he is. Uh, the American Foundation for the Study of Man in the History of Arabian Archaeology. Um, Anna is is going is is watching <laughs> this presentation mm-hmm. and will um, do what Anna does absolutely best, which I say with all the love. Interrupt me. 
uh, with uh, with insights and with mm. with very productive questions and with little giggles um, because Probably. I've got some little Easter eggs throughout for <laughs> for folks. Well, uh, maybe fun. I don't know. People people laughed at my joke. I don't know, or maybe they were laughing at me. Um, anyway, stop. <laughs> I join you all today with a challenging aim. The subject of this paper, Wendell Phillips, is hard to describe, sometimes harder to defend. He has also omitted from conversations on the, about the history of Arabian archaeology and particularly its origins. The goal of this paper podcast and the larger project to which it feeds is not a hagiography of Wendell Phillips. Rather, it is a push to contextualize a much maligned early chapter in the field and reassess it for potential insights into the discipline's origins, development, and future. A hagiography is elevating someone to the level of sainthood, putting them on a pedestal, uh, and sort of disregarding any of their flaws. Well, and in the original sense, a hagiography is just a, a description of the life and works of a given saint. Mm -hmm. If you felt any spark of recognition at the name Wendell Phillips and his work in Southern Arabia under the aegis of the American Foundation for the Study of Man before today, I suspect it was filed in your mind under folly. Or maybe you've never heard of him, and that fact alone nudges you toward the conclusion that he produced nothing worth hearing of. Fair enough. Objectivity is unattainable here, but luckily for us, what makes the Phillips question so valuable is its subjectivity. I'm going to introduce my subject in the same way that I first met him, through an anecdote. <laughs> I know the story. It's a funny story. <laughs> um, what Anna sees now is an <laughs> image of Wendell Phillips, flanked by two colleagues leaning against one of the extant pillars of the Mahram Bilkis during his expedition to Marib in 1951. Shouldn't have leaned. So that photo was taken from Kataban and Sheba. Mm -hmm. um, and so, a book. A, Van Ray's book. Um, so it's kind of a grainy photo and they're a bit far away because this was photo was taken before pixels were invented. <laughs> and, um, so it's like sort of hard to tell who's in it, but I think I know who's in it just based on who was on site that day. Cause I do research. Yeah, um, boy, you really, but, really but no, it is, well, I am trying to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my larger project. One of the things that just like repeatedly tickles me whenever I think about it is that, uh, when Naomi and I went to the SAA in uh, Portland. Did yeah. It, Portland? it was in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I went to Seattle with you, Portland. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the hotel we were staying at had kind of, it was, it was a very bougie hotel because yeah. we booked late. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Don't wait. Be like me and uh, book a year in advance and then scroll through <laughs> on booking.com and being like, ha ha, suckers. <laughs> like, which I just did about the AAAs yesterday. <laughs> uh, but it had like a vintage book theme. And I guess apparently at the opening of the hotel, uh, everyone who, who was invited to the opening brought a book. And the book that was under the little, actually it was under a bottle of hand sanitizer yes. on the desk in the lobby was Kataban and Shiva. Which and I so immediately wild. texted a picture to it's... Amber and be like, oh, no one else knows about this book. How is it here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the world is so small. <laughs> I, th yeah. I thought it was a sign. I thought it was. I thought it was a sign too. Yeah. And I had actually, um, there was a version of this paper before I realized that I had too much actual substance in it um <laughs> that included that photo of just like a this is where it is now kind of thing it is like 
aesthetic. Yeah, um, it's, like that, and it's a very the font is very. It's extremely 50s. 1955. Yeah, and I love it. So that's something we can post, though, right? The the book cover. Sure. Probably. Yeah. 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 This um, image was included in a lecture on Sabaean kingdoms in my first survey course on Arabian archaeology to illustrate a vignette lifted from Philip's book, Kataman and Sheba, exploring the ancient kingdoms on the biblical spice roots of Arabia. Uh, the one hmm. person who puts longer titles on their presentations than I do. Um, in this anecdote, Phillips receives a telegram from a subordinate while away, confessing that a laborer had knocked aside a pillar support during excavation. That blunder resulted in six of the temple's pillars toppling one after the other, like dominoes. As mm-hmm. the story goes, this photo was taken weeks before Phillips and his team were run out of Yemen, triggering <laughs> a flurry of reports of mortal peril and daring do over the newswire. On the surface, this story could be seen as a compelling metaphor for the career of Wendell Phillips writ large, eager, brash, quintessentially American. There is comedy, beneath which lies a violent negligence, and above all, there is the fact that it was a story reclaimed, repackaged, and made profitable for the man himself. Mm-hmm. Years after first hearing this story, I began to reconsider this anecdote. Surely I'd encountered a remnant of a much more complex network of actors and narratives. How did Wendell Phillips' persona erode into a comic, if not forgotten, figure? That is the question at the heart of today's paper. I don't know if I actually answered it. And where I began the research presented today. Let us start with a brief overview of Phillips' career and self-mythology, during which we will linger on two episodes that loom large in the archival record and explore what implications they might have for further historical inquiry and a Arabian archaeology as a discipline. Wendell Phillips was born in 1921 in Oakland, California, to working class parents, Sunshine and Murley. In contempt, uh, what what are the odds? <laughs> I know um, those two crazy kids <laughs> uh, who split up. In contemporary mm. news coverage and his own autobiographical writings, which. Most of his writings were, in a way, autobiographical. Sure, right, um, what you know. <laughs> me. Philip <laughs> Will, which, <laughs> lying. <laughs> Phillips was quick to share two facts about his childhood, from which we might infer a third. The first is that he was a born entrepreneur, contributing to the household income as a paper salesboy during the height of the Great Depression. He started at, like, 10. The second is that he was an avid reader of Roy Chapman Andrews, adventurer and director of the American Museum of Natural History. Talked about him. We've talked about him. Uh, Phillips also idolized other Latter-day explorers like Admiral Richard E. Byrd. He was a South Pole explorer guy, yeah? Uh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, he is at the center of like a whole universe of, of conspiracies where he actually yeah. like went into the earth. <laughs> No. Um, which like for a long time I didn't realize that he wasn't like I didn't realize that he was like a real guy who did real things. I thought that he was just like I thought he was like a like a Baron Munchausen kind of person uh, or like a Saint Germain type of just like did you actually exist? He did. Um yeah. In sharing these two points early and broadly, the two points being entrepreneur and avid reader. Of explorers. Explorer fan. Um, Yeah, explorer, yes. Explorer fanboy. Phillips demonstrated a third point. He possessed an uncanny acumen for marketing himself that would prove transformational from his early days of hawking papers. 
Phillips went on to study at the University of California, Berkeley, where he earned his bachelor's degree in paleontology in 1943, having established a correspondence with archaeologist William Foxwell Albright at Johns Hopkins University in 1942. Um, and, and in my notes, I have a photo of a letter that he wrote him, mm-hmm. that he wrote to um, Albright. God. He's got pretty okay handwriting. He's got cute handwriting. Yeah. For like, especially for like a 20 some, like a 24 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. His first appearance in the popular press as a Wunderkind explorer came in 1944. Um, Here, read that headline. Seaman views famed fossils. (laughs) Yeah, this sailor went to a museum. (laughs) Wow. Hometown hero. Um, That is literally the plot of On the Town, the musical where a bunch of like singing Navy sailors. Go One to of a the museum. things they do is go to a museum. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they got it, I guess. Uh, and a January 1945 letter from Phillips to Albright refers to a recent stay at the Albright household. Um, Albright's early intellectual support of Phillips quickly yielded material support from others. A letter from Phillips dated 26th of March, 1946, which is the one on the screen, Anna, opens, Mm -hmm. quote, Dear Prof Albright, I can't tell you how very much I enjoyed your grand letter, and thanks a million for those fine letters of introduction. I would have written you immediately, only things have been moving at such a rapid rate here at UC that I wanted to wait until I could give you a clear picture. My little one-man jaunt to Africa has developed into a full-fledged University of California expedition under my leadership and sponsored jointly by the departments of paleontology, anthropology, and music, end quote. Yeah, and so William Foxwell Albright was an extremely big deal. Um, He was the uh, president of uh, ASOR for Mm. ever. Um, Mm -hmm. He, um, the the Albright Institute in Jerusalem is named after him. he was one of the individuals responsible for for uh, translating the Dead Sea Scrolls, so this was a good get for Will. Yeah, good at seizing on opportunity and like amplifying it somehow, like like trading up, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's one of the, he's one of the, he would have been he turned he a would have paperclip into a, paper a new clip. car. Yeah, paperclip to like a private jet. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, that full-fledged expedition was the University of California Expe- African Expedition, which stretched from the Cape of South Africa to the Sinai Peninsula over 15 months, beginning in 1947. <laughs> at once. That's very far. That's why it took 15 months. It, it, was, wow. it was huge. Yeah, it was I really huge. I, yeah, that's really far. Yeah, so um, they <laughs> started Africa. in South Africa. They went Cape to Cairo. And like that, Gosh. and um, it yielded valuable data. That, and like, there's like real stuff that came out of this. Not unlike mm-hmm. his childhood hero, Admiral Byrd, whose friendship with Henry Ford's sons, Henry Ford's son, Edsel, greased the wheels of funding for his polar expeditions. Phillips forged strategic relationships with contemporary scions of industry. He <laughs> drew support from them in the form of in-kind donations of equipment, and olives, liquid capital, <laughs> and access to their social networks. That's, that's what I was laughing at before. Is that one of the Easter eggs? Yeah. The, you, the caption to this so photo. Well, the, so well, tell them the photo. What's in the so photo? There are three, there are three people. Yes. Uh, Wendell Phillips is standing in the center. 
uh, two women are seated at a table on either side of him, and they're enjoying and, a, a tea. A tea has been a, laid a out. Lovely, yeah, a lovely little afternoon tea in the, the dig house in Behan. Mm, okay. So that's his and sister, his little sister, Marilyn. Marilyn, who the... the the gorgeous blonde, she's a Conover model, um, former <laughs> Miss something or other. And then on the other side, the raven-haired beauty, his secretary, Eileen. Uh, A.K.A. the woman who held a lot of stuff together for him and gets no credit for it. And maybe also ruined some, and maybe also was part of the problem. Well, <laughs> uh, and they are all enjoying selections from a massive vat of Heinz olives. Uh, and Amber has cleverly listed Heinz olives in the caption as a person in the photo. Yeah. So it says Marilyn Phillips, sister, Phillips, Heinz olives, and Eileen Salama, secretary at Vehan, circa 1951. <laughs> and he's, he's late 20s at this point? Yeah. He's in his okay. mid late 20s. He's about 28. Okay. And he's really skinny. You may, he... you may see that his, his shirt's kind of cinched. Mm-hmm. Like in his little belt, and he's got his two—he's got his two little guns on his hip. Um, he's yeah, a he, he's he looks really skinny because he is really skinny because um, he got sued because he was sick. only eating olives. Oh. No, no, he got he he had like serious gastro issues. Oof, I mean. um, and he says it a lot in in letters, <laughs> but I've seen other people say it too, and it's just like a wonderful phrase that I like. Oh, I never want an excuse to use, but will. Yeah. But it's called, he refers to it as battling the amoeba. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but yeah, like, so he... May, may we never have to use it, but if, if the opportunity <laughs> arises, battling the amoeba. So this little guy had definitely been battling the amoeba. Um, Eileen looks great. Um, yeah, the ladies look great. They look great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so something else. His sister was there because his mom and sister would visit on site. Which I find a little weird. It is weird. But like... <laughs> like two people ooh. who are just there to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> like that's like... They're, their I mean, basically, boy. It's basically what I was doing on site when I was, when I was there. Um, following the expedition at the age of 28. Ah. Uh, so he would have been 30 in the, 31, 30-ish in this photo. Okay. So 1951, he would have been 30. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Phillips announced in December 1949 that he had established his own nonprofit organization, the American Foundation for the Study of Man, Incorporated, henceforth referred to as AFSM. AFSM. Uh, the Associated Press report described it as, quote, an ambitious program of exploration and discovery into lands of antiquity, end quote. Oh, boy. Where there um, absolutely aren't real people living. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that coverage referred to Phillips as a young archaeologist, while the following year he reported his profession as explorer to the 1950 U.S. Census. Because he could. He could, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, he lived with his mom. And he was an explorer, which I really, that I, I really, I was six to. years old once too. <laughs> well, and I also like that really, I really relate to that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And this brings us to the first episode of Philip's career. That's of central importance to this paper, the era of the American foundation, Arabian expeditions. In February, 1950, the expedition set off for the Emirate of Behan in the Western Aden Protectorate. There, the expedition conducted two seasons of fieldwork at the historical, historical Katabanian capital, Timna, under the supervision of Albright. And so they, they chose Kataban, like because of its supposed link to the Queen of Sheba? 
or why did they, I guess, I guess I'm asking like, why did they go there? I mean, basically they went there because Wendell met the Aga Khan in Cairo a couple years before and was like, you should go to Arabia. And he's like, I'm going to Arabia. Um, okay. that, that's kind of what happened. But the idea was, um, there is this like mid, like there is a, um, there's sort of a biblical underpinning to it of just okay. wanting to go like, um, ground truth. Sure. The, go, the Sheba story. Go check it out. Yeah. Okay. It's very like, it's a sexy story, you know? And it's like, sort yeah. of like, Ooh. And we've talked about it. And and it's a bit apocryphal. And so it, it's something sure. that, um, and also. It's got um, a real vibe of like, we're men of science. We'll test it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like men of, men of like. In a very it, 1950s way. In a 1950s way, 50s way. But it also reads a whole lot like uh, Roy Chapman Andrews and mm. like him talking about. And, and so the book, Kataban and Sheba is an adventure book um, masquerading as an archaeology <laughs> text. Um, and there are, it was well reviewed and there were um, reviews that were like, what he's, the, the archaeology that he's alluding to here is going to be really great when they publish it. Uh, that was, I read, I read that like in a, um, like in a journal, like in an archaeology journal being like, this is going to be awesome when they publish it. Um, yeah. In a review of a published work. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, um, Behan was existed, the Emirate of Behan. So the Behan Valley, um, is outside the Western Aden protectorate. Um, and it was, sim- it was affiliated, I think with the British and then eventually was absorbed. But, um, Timna was the capital of Kataban and okay. Kataban was a kingdom and allegedly Sheba was a kingdom. Like, like Saba was, was a thing. Uh, but, but it right. wasn't same, same Sheba. He had stuff that he was on the book for. And also, um, his wife was having some, some health stuff. And so it wasn't like a, I'm getting out of there kind of thing. No, it wasn't um, because he had lost faith in. Yeah. There's no, I've, I've seen no reason in any of the correspondence that speaks to that. So either okay. he was really, really trying to like cover, be kind to him and like mm-hmm. give, plausible other reasons or it genuinely was like i sorry i can't make it but i've got this former student a different (laughs) albright dr (laughs) frank p albright no relation took over the role of chief archaeologist british intelligence reports initially overlooked that a different albright was in charge Um, suspicions of the team at marab rose when reports ultimately realized that wf albright was no longer at the helm and this was a very funny series of telegrams where they're like what do you uh, mean? Like, like, <laughs> like Phillips and Albright and and such mm-hmm. and such and so forth are here and they're there. And so like, is this a problem? And so he writes back and be like, no, Albright's got him. Like, he's a professional. Like, it'll be fine. And then somebody, they're like, wait, who? And it's like, no, that's not the right Albright. Oh, no. <laughs> it's sort of like, what happened? <laughs> well, I think you mean, um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm like really like saucy. Like just, it's a great telegrams. 
great, great content out there. Um, mm. The Marup season would be fleeting, as on February 15th, 1952, the expedition fled Yemen for the safety of Behan, nearly 100 kilometers away for reasons we will consider below. Uh, <laughs> the team went on to Aden, where they waited for transfer until transfer to Dhofar um, in, um, in Oman. Uh, where Phillips had successfully negotiated an archaeological concession with Sultan Said bin Timer and excavations commenced at Horore. Um, excavations are still happening at Horore. And, wow. um, and one of the people who worked there uh, was one of the chairs of my session. Uh, and so we were taught, we afterwards, we were talking about it. And she's like, there's stuff that we know was there. We don't know where it is. And so I was like, well... <laughs> and like here are some leads of like folks who worked there in like the 60s and she was like oh great okay so when they fled uh marib um wendell like sent a telegram to the president um the american one yeah just huh. like straight up telegraph the <laughs> telegram the president and also to like churchill to be like call off your boys <laughs> get your boys to help me <laughs> Mr. Churchill, please. And then um, somebody in um, somebody was like, the, uh, there was like a, a like in a sort of emergency telegram that went out, and some official I, I don't have it in front of me was like, oh, they beefed it. I'm I'm transferring them to Bayhan, like as a courtesy out of from Bayhan to Aden as a courtesy, and then they got to figure it out. Um, so they like flew them out. Um, and, and then, um, it's good to know people. It's great to know people. Yeah. Hmm. And, um, and so this slide is just like two Albrights and, um, something (laughs) that I found very curious is that, um, two separate articles, like updates of excavations published in the bulletin of, uh, the American schools of oriental research at that point, Basor, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. a couple years apart two different all rights <laughs> and just like I mean, it's, it is not an uncommon name yeah it's it's very you know. but it is something that like but it's, it's just funny that, it's a funny coincidence like, yeah it's a funny coincidence it's true um philip's account of the expedition's expulsion from yemen was po- widely publicized in the popular anglophone press which characterized the experience as a daring escape through the desert from lethal threat conversely <laughs> the arabic press reported that the expedition flouted rules smuggled out excavated material and was suspected of espionage and oil prospecting hmm. philip's dismissed the stories as we read in a letter to an afsm collaborator aziz atia uh, quote I am sorry about all the bad publicity that has been circulating through the Arab press. Most of it doesn't have a single word of truth attached to it. However, people believe what they want to believe. And when I was in Cairo the last time, I wasn't given an opportunity to have my side of the story correctly reported, although I certainly presented it accurately. Sounds like a kid like defending himself to his mom or something. I just I just love the like people will believe what they want to believe. And it's just like they sure will, Wendell. Nobody knows that better than you. It's not um, seeing the forest for the Wendells. <laughs> 25 years later, Phyllis' bad publicity still persisted. A 1977 cable, for, so a cable is a, Telegram? it's an email. <laughs> just, they still, like, I, I, we had cables, like, at work when I was working with the State Department. And I'm just like, it's an email. Just call it that. <laughs> but it's a cable. Uh, from the U.S. Embassy in Sana'a to the State Department, addresses a request to excavate in Yemen from Philip's successor to the AFSM presidency. Uh, that is Gordon Hodgson. 
his brother-in-law, who was ah. not an archaeologist at all, but like, but a, a nepo brother, <laughs> and yeah, mm. <laughs> yes, um, net bro, their in-law. Quote. Finally, would he provide me with all pertinent facts on the allegation that artifacts were smuggled out of Marib during the Wendell Phillips expedition? This story continues to be believed, and in fact, the Yemeni government is demanding the return of these objects, which they consider were stolen. I would like to be in a position to disabuse the Yemenis on this subject right from the outset. Otherwise, I doubt the Yemeni government will cooperate. End quote. I mean, that's reasonable. So it was still an issue. Like, it was still a problem all those years later. Um, And it was perhaps foreseen. Next slide. But moving back in time, it was not only the many authorities who took issue with Phillips. Douglas Crary, a geologist at the University of Michigan, who participated in the California African Expedition. Oh, good. They had geologists there. Good. Although you had all kinds of guys. They had every kind of guy you could imagine. They had ethnomusicologists. They had like, oh yeah, because it was sponsored by the music department as well. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, so that's that's who did that. So they they and they did like huh. recordings of stuff. They did. That's um, cool. But it was they had. Do those still exist? The recordings? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. Not, not hugely. Re- I just, I mean, but I mean, as I'll, a sound I'll let person. you know when I get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he participated in the California African Expedition, and he wrote to Ronald Bailey of the British Embassy in Washington in 1953 with strong words of warning against allowing Phillips to enter regions with delicate <laughs> geopolitics, saying, quote, Phillips is a genius at promotion, but is otherwise held in low regard by legitimate scientific research workers in this country. In 1951 and 1952, Phillips was in the border countries between Aden and Yemen, succinct way to put that um, an expedition which proved to be abortive because of his failure to cooperate with the imam so the king of yep. uh, he is currently in oman where i have heard he is endeavoring to peddle an oil concession to american oil interests in this country the area of major concern is Zulfar province in oman Zulfar a difficult letter uh the likelihood of discovering oil increases toward the interior this can only mean that through phillips the omanis would wish to push the saudi arabian frontier farther into the rubahali so the desert and that the saudis would wish to push the frontier toward the arabian sea a new Baraimi incident could conceivably develop and the prospects for peaceful and legitimate research might disappear altogether. Uh, the Baraimi incident refers to a border town. Um, mm. And so th- th- it's a contested border. Border disputes, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, between so, ba- the Saudi was basically and- doing his wheeling and dealing, perhaps not realizing that what he's doing is allowing the circumstances to or like would potentially create the circumstances for escalating these, these conflicted, these border conflicts. Yeah. Let me finish um, Curry's thought here and then we can get into Mm -hmm. it. I know for example, that it would be extremely difficult for reputable research workers to obtain permission to work in Yemen following the Phillips fiasco there. End quote. (laughs) This guy wanted to do some research, Mm -hmm. um, and in like one of the geological formations there and um, had reached out to the embassy to be like, hey, can y'all like help me out here? And they're like, can I look oh, at your rocks? I don't know. And he's like, fair enough. But also, 
while we're talking about it, like you need to look out for this man. Um, and so, so something that I'm, I hope to understand one day, um, is the degree to which Wendell Phillips was cognizant of all of these things. Like the knock on effects. Mm -hmm. Because like, was he like his interest in excavating in the fire or at Horrori, like those sorts of things. Like, did he just happen to find it there because he already wanted to be in Dofar? Because perhaps he knew that the last, that the last uh, companies let their concession. Um, like, so dormant. was this was this calculated or a big coincidence? Is Wendell either more savvy or? Yeah, more like is, like is he more savvy, savvy, or is he a useful idiot that the that the say like oh well we'll have you work down here that's fine have fun with it knowing that like if he finds anything at all um, that's going to strengthen my claim and and weaken the Saudi claim uh, on this territory. Dofar has always been culturally distinct it's geographically distinct like sort of climatically distinct so like Like, is is wendell a pawn or is he is is he a pawn or is he a player pawn or player um (laughs) and so there are a lot of ways to read a lot of his actions of is he playing someone else is he being played is he um because option three is, is he just sort of blithely just like, do, do, do. I mean, I, it's like, I, do, and I think that's the least likely one. I think that like Probably. sort of the least likely option is that he's just some like lucky oaf that like is just like half like oaf along. also happens to be very canny in business. And so like, I think that he, I think, I think that he is more of each of the things that he has tried to position himself as. Uh, than anyone is willing to to give him ground on, um, but let's continue. Hmm. He becomes more interesting when he's less of a dum dum. Exactly, and so it, it's because also it's it's like a I think it's like a power thing, like it's a like. Well, and also to, to like, get back to your like initial point of like, is Wendell this? He's been reduced to this caricature of. A, a dumb, dumb American cowboy who loved adventure and had two Colt pistols on his hip. And managed to be a, managed an oil to, gajillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, Bertie Wooster bumbled his way into success. But but what if actually he was just... But, but even Bertie Wooster, like, had a pedigree. So this guy... That's true. Did it. And, and a butler. Yeah. He just had... <laughs> this is my butler. My 38... <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, continuing here um, the same year his expedition was expelled from Yemen 1952 Phillips adopted the title doctor when Marietta College conferred an honorary doctorate Man. upon him the first of 23 he would Come eventually on. receive the last Once hard enough the last one of which was given by my father's alma mater uh, the year while my father was a student there he, of course, he has no memory of this, so it wasn't helpful. And he also wasn't interested in the paper. So World at that time, <laughs> AFSM leadership consisted, so the AFSM leadership consisted of Phillips as president, his field team members as vice president. Hmm. Um, so that included uh, Bill Terry, the one who's taken a lot of the photos. Um, 
he was a big part of the California African expedition. Okay. Um, and uh, Charlie McCollum, who uh, Eileen married. Um, Great. And George Ferrier, who was like really into the power wagons <laughs> and like later wrote a book about like the power, the Dodge power wagons. Um, I just, suppose a, a guy with the last name Ferrier would be interested in, in like, things transport. with horsepower. Yeah, I know. Right. It's perfect. <laughs> um, and, and a board of directors, including Pan American Airways executive and close confidant, Samuel F. Pryor. I don't know why I forgot his name. <laughs> Samuel F. Pryor. Um, S. Byard Colgate of the Colgate Palm Olive Peat Company. That's where your, that's where your cat works. <laughs> to winter little, little Peats. Uh, former commander in chief of the U.S. Pacific Fleet Admiral Chester what a W. Nimitz. band of scoundrels. And Lowell Thomas, the journalist credited with yeah. bringing Lawrence of Arabia to the public imagination. And he mm. once described Wendell as... L- L- Wendell of Arabia? Phillips of Arabia. Okay. Well, Wendell of Arabia is funnier, but all right. <laughs> um, W.F. Albright was the only academic in the executive ranks with the title of first vice president. Hmm. Within a few years, Phillips no longer spent substantive time in the field, but AFSM archaeological work continued in Oman and editorial work continued in Baltimore under individuals including Ray Cleveland, um, who worked at Horwari for years and years and years, um, Gus Van Beek, who's just real The one guy we like. He's just such a sweetie uh, in his paper. And epigraphist, uh, Belgian Albert Jean. Um, <laughs> he was a real bee. He was, but Albert Jean is is often pictured wearing um, a white undershirt tucked into tiny shorts with his like As silk socks here. and sandals, yeah. and wearing a little beret. <laughs> oh, he's not wearing a beret here. No, because in he's inside. Photo, but that's reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was an apparaphist, and he um, was a difficult Just colleague. Just a rude man. Okay. Phillips contributed forwards to academic publications by the foundation and published his best-selling trade book, Kataban and Sheba, in 1955. Meanwhile, his personal career had begun to develop its other defining feature. Is it an oily sheen? Why don't you re- read, the, read the headline there? Arabia is explorer's life. Oil, a hobby. <laughs> How was uh, that? <laughs> in 1953, Saeed Timer granted an oil concession. 1953, for the province of Dofar to the Phil Pryor Corporation, a joint venture of its eponymous founders, Phillips and Pryor from Pan Am. What are the odds? (laughs) I know, right? This would be the first of several concessions won by Phillips for Phil Pryor or his own Wendell Phillips Oil Company. Phil Pryor? It's hard to say with someone someone who was taught English where I was. Phil Pryor. Phil Pryor. (laughs) Phil Pryor. Um, uh, or his own Wendell Phillips oil company to come later, extending Mm. beyond Oman to include contracts in Libya, Venezuela, Haiti, and throughout Southeast Asia. The boy wonder explorer had matured into an oil man archaeologist who made appearances in popular media ranging from syndicated columns to national television. So there was was on to tell the truth, huh? Yeah. And, um, and you can't tell because it's so dark, but there's like these two, you know, 57. Mid-mod men. 
mid mod men and then this like dweeb in like a, a shemag <laughs> just like of. <laughs> <laughs> There is one media appearance that is of particular interest to us today and constitutes our second episode. In a December 1956 letter to Phillips, Van Beek writes that Fortune magazine journalist Herbert Solo had approached the former for an interview about Phillips, saying, quote, In view of my long-standing personal friendship with you and our commonly shared desire for accurate and dignified archaeological reporting, which, I assumed, one would surely get in fortune, if anywhere, I welcomed the interview. Van Beek goes on to explain that Solo wanted to focus only on Phillips' oil interests during the 1951-1952 field seasons, and the provenance of a bronze foot Phillips was said to have purchased in, uh, in Aden. After a follow-up call from Solo, Van Beek concluded that, quote, Since both interviews failed to treat the archaeological aspect of your work and centered only on this bronze foot, it is clear that Mr. Solo is not trying to give an accurate account of your archaeological expeditions. I therefore concluded that, in some fashion, he is seeking to embarrass and damage you as a person and as president of the American Foundation for the Study of Man. This whole affair concerns me. I'm sorry. This whole affair concerns me. <laughs> That's I put the emphasis on the wrong one. Um, this whole affair concerns me insofar as it is potentially harmful to you and the Foundation and its activities. For this reason, I feel you should be informed of the situation and acquainted with the facts, end quote. Two months later, Solo published his feature story, The Drillings and Diggings of Dr. Phillips, uh, in the February 1957 issue of Fortune magazine. So Fortune was like a big deal magazine at this it's point. It's like, like time. It was like time or life or, you know, it's like a, like a news magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was um, a... Like a respected journalist. He was like, he was right? a like yeah, a legit... he was a big time legit journalist. Um so the story recounts each of Philip's expeditions from the California Africa and, and frames each of his like big exploits as an expedition, uh, mm-hmm. which I kind of like as a framing device. Uh the Californian African expedition to his officially unofficial travel with the Secretary of the Air Force, Harold Talbot, to Libya, which he left with an oil concession from King Idris. Imagine. And also, um, Harold Talbot got removed from his, had to resign um, because of a different conflict of interest scandal, uh, which therefore, like about an hour, I was like, oh my God, did Wendell get him fired from the government? Uh, But no, it turns out. (laughs) Turns out if you're willing to have one conflict of interest. It it turns out that maybe the Phillips thing was like the past that which was prelude to Ah. the thing that got him ousted. Whoops. Um, Yeah. So the story alternates between sly references to off the cuff record detractors and effusive praise from friends like Pryor, who said that he would make a great ambassador. My little pet theory about this is that um, there was a lot of attention paid to Pryor in this story uh, because I think, also because Pryor is the highest profile American who was so squarely in Wendell's camp. Um, a big, so Solo had a, um, had a longstanding interest, like research interest in the goings on of American Nazis and Nazi sympathizers. Um, and he, he did a so in his papers, his papers which are at the, the Hoover Institute, um, which like I mean, weird place for somebody uh, interested in a 
bad way, like in a unflattering way about fascists to be at the Hoover Institute, but far be it for me uh, to have, have uh, hot takes on where people's papers end up. If I remember correctly, he covered like the Nuremberg trials. He covered um, like Relevant. he he had a he had a a vested interest both um, personally and professionally in sort of the aftermath of Nazism. Yeah, he, he's um, Jewish, right? I believe so. Uh, he was co-editor of the Menorah Journal, which would suggest sounds kind of Jewish. Yeah, it sounds kind of Jewish. Um, but, but so he was, he was very, he was very interested in this and I don't know to what extent he wrote about these things and to what extent he kept tabs on these things. Um, and so one person that he had a fat file on was Charles Lindbergh, Mm. um, pilot, pilot, flew his Nazi plane around. Bit of a Nazi. Big. So, yeah. So, um. He never, he never, um, he never claimed to be a Nazi. He just was, um, he liked the look. He was, a, he, he, he liked a lot of their ideas. Um, <laughs> he had, um, he received like some kind of medal of something from the Nazis, you know, some like some bronze Eagle. Yeah, basically. Um, but, but he, yes. And he also, um, he also did his part for the Nazi cause by producing several illegitimate Nazi youth. Um, he had like secret, secret Frauen, um, in Germany. Uh Um, but he was, um, most second, most notably after his whole pilot thing, Third, most notably, mm-hmm. after his yeah, uh, kid getting stolen thing. thing. Yeah. Um, third, most notably, for being the spokesperson for the America First Committee, um, which Oof. isn't quite the same one. <laughs> what's no, but, but sort of philosophically equal, similar, equally bad. But yeah, he was a big time Nazi guy, mm. um, and he was of central interest to Solo. Um, the connection here is that so Sam and his wife were bestie best with Charles and Anne Lindbergh mm. to the extent that they are buried next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, and, that's and they, weird. um, so the priors had a, um, an estate on Maui. Um, so, so they, they had a bunch of, bunch Oh yeah. Of, and they portioned it off, right? They and like, they, they carved off a bit and gave it to the Lindberghs and they're all <laughs> buried there. And maybe, mm. maybe the wildfire Ooh. affected that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and so I think that this story came across Solo's radar because of prior and because um and he looked deeper into it and was like who's this guy who's this yeah like who's this clown Mm. um and i don't i don't know enough about uh so this is a big this is a big swing that i'm taking here and i know that and that's why it's not in the paper uh, but i will talk about it on on the podcast Yeah, but you'll Um, let thousands of people hear it yeah but but i i think that it's it's something worth considering further that there was a motivation here that wasn't necessarily animus but there was a motivation here to be that this is that this is something that um, maybe 
impacts the way people might view Sam Pryor and his judgment and who he chooses to be around. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that this is going to be an interesting wrinkle for my research as I go on, as I try to think about how politics fits into Wendell's world. Because Wendell was like Presbyterian and an anti-communist and... um, And and Sola was a a Trotskyist. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm. but um, But a lot of people in Wendell's orbit go on to show themselves in really nasty ways. Like in one of his big funders, the Scaifes, the Sarah Mellon Scaife, her children um, and her money went on to fund like, I think the Heritage Foundation. And actually they went, they they pivoted after her death, they pivoted from the arts mm-hmm. to anti-immigration um, and um, and sort of social conservatism. Uh, and so I don't pivot back. <laughs> I, d- I don't think that. Um, I don't think that it's a series of coincidences. No, it that seems like people uh, in Wendell's orbit were quite right. Uh, were to the right leaning. Yeah, oh, <laughs> quite right. Five years in. <laughs> I reveal you, myself. You finally outed yourself as a arch conservative. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I I think I think that there is uh, really like value here. Yeah, it sounds like the he was pulling some threads, and yeah. and one of the threads was Wendell, and he went, "What? Yeah, ah? it's, a, it's a it's a weird weird wiggly thread." Yeah. All right. Well, let we're around in third here, and. We agreed not to have it be a two-hour episode. Yeah, well, you got 25 minutes, so. (laughs) Solo neatly sums up his position by saying, quote, Phillips has his reflective moments, and if at such moments he looks at his situation, he must see both assets and liabilities. At 35, he has his many supporters, his growing circle of ex-supporters, his far-flung critics. He has his first million, more or less, safely banked at the high-toned fiduciary trust company in Manhattan. He is a Sheikh in Behan and a Mustashar Iktisadi in Muscat and Oman. He is... He is well-known and a highly controversial figure in Egypt, Libya, Kenya, and Aden. He is persona non grata in Saudi Arabia and Yemen. <laughs> With such Department of State personnel as know him, he is almost universally, uniformly at loggerheads, which is no help to a globe-trotting driller and digger. He must expect not to be... not very flattering, huh? <laughs> but I do want to have, like, these are my cats, driller and digger. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He must expect to be criticized by scholars, especially those who have never benefited from his money raising, but he has mastered a technique of standing them off by unscholarly blasts and threats of litigation, end quote. Okay. So, yeah, that's uh, not a loving portrayal at all. It's not. And it obviously it comes from Solov's perspective, but it certainly paints a picture of Wendell's character that his own characterization of himself would, it's very, it's an antithesis to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also, um, actually, I don't know. It's kind of, um, it's almost like dissonant where it's the same tones, 
Like it's sort of, but they're not flattering. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Um, and he talked to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see reference, I've seen references and actually this, this paper, this article, I was waiting for it to be digitized for me. Mm. I waited for like eight months. I know. And I was just like, well, <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with an argument because this was supposed to be. Yeah, you got it like, you got it. I got it like two weeks before the conference. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. You were with me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then it was like, Mwah. Um, so yeah. it really helped bring everything together because otherwise I'd be like, oh, here's a guy. <laughs> Thanks, Herb. Sir Willie Morris, first secretary of the British Embassy in Washington. Sir Willie. I know, right? <laughs> uh, sent co- I've, I have done so much like figuring out who people are because it's just like, you know, Sir Willie. And I'm just like, who? Or or like initials and stuff in these things because they all know each other. They don't need to like give each other. I talked recently to TD and he said WTF. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, ah. Uh, of saving to uh, Bahrain and Sinjin. And I'm just like, what's happening? <laughs> like, this is too British. Uh. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, yeah. So Sir Willie Morris, first secretary of the British embassy in Washington, sent copies along with the letter and pre displayed on that slide uh, mm-hmm. to foreign office colleagues in Bahrain, <laughs> Muscat and Tripoli. Um, and so that, that whole thing says like, I'm attaching a clipping of this story. Um, it it uh, lines up well with uh, things that we've heard, and we mm. think it's helpful for you to see this. Yeah. So it was it was used as background. Have to, you seen this man? Yeah. yeah. Um, don't. Don't. Like that's that's kind of what's happening here. Um, the previous year, a series of confidential telegrams discussed the possibility of leveraging Phillips to counter a rash of anti-British coverage concerning Oman in the American press. Ongoing border disputes between Oman and Saudi Arabia extended to control over presumed oil reserves in the contested area and thus the interests of Britain and the U.S. respectively. Uh, because as something that I've learned through this research is an oil concession doesn't mean oil. It just, oh, means, it just means if there is, you could. You, yeah. You, it's yours. And so uh, Wendell didn't make money, money. Uh, for a few years or maybe he did it's he's really he's he's a liar so i'm uh, in the process of foyering his tax records <laughs> i mean follow the money baby uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's something that like, it's the interest They're they're concerned, not about like, we're not like pinching the money hose. It's like, we hooked it up and maybe something will come out of the hose yeah. kind of thing. Um, this quote is great <laughs> at the, at the bottom there. Yeah. Um, yeah. In response to the inquiries, Sir Roger Makins writes, quote, while Wendell Phillips has no influence with the State Department, his support would be valuable as far as you know, the United States at large is concerned. Because remember, he's like in the press. Yeah. Uh, in quote. He's a golden boy. Washington, con- so British Washington, concurs mm-hmm. but goes further, saying, quote, 
Mr. Wendell Phillips is very unpopular with State Department, and following the expulsion of his archaeological expedition from the Yemen in 1952, and it is unlikely that he would have any influence on them. It is also problematic whether he would do much with the oil lobby, but he has a flair for publicity, and it could help if we were to use his talents to inform the American public about the Sultan's case. Anything from an American source to counteract Aramco publicity would be valuable, end quote. And so having an American voice as publicity for the British side of things, because would, this, that's this what guy, they were this, looking um, for. This journalist, George Weller, I think his name, George Weller, um, got, got in, like went in and was just like, oh, this sucks. Like what they're doing sucks. The British are like choking off this group of, of, um, Arabs of like Saudi Arabs who are, you know, acting in faith, like this whole thing, it was like really scathing coverage and was just like, mm-hmm. and it was, somebody had a glimpse into what British colonial action looked like, um, which is like very, very ugly and very bloody and, mm-hmm. and quite like can be quite cruel. Um, and so he published about it in the, um, like he he published he published it in the American press and completely like soured, so it became this sort of anti-British sentiment, um, mm. and and which because if you don't support the British, you might support the locals. Right, can't be having that. And like, what if we want to give them democracy? So it was so there was like a much bigger thing happening here. I noticed it in the younger photos of him, but these older photos, like when he's older of Wendell Phillips, really resembles uh, the elder George Bush, George H.W. Bush. Really? Older Wendell looks like a younger H.W. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. But it's in the younger photos, I was just like, that looks like George Bush. No, he's also just got, you know, white mod white guy face. Yeah, all right. (laughs) The delicate interplay between politics and petrocapitalism is on display here and nods to a widely acknowledged but perhaps unexamined truth of Arabian archaeology, its connections to the petroleum industry. After all, it was PV Globe's own employment in the petroleum industry that gave rise to the very work whose jubilee we're observing this weekend, last weekend. In the case of Wendell (laughs) Phillips, his role in archaeology might be debated, but his role in the oil industry cannot be. In her 1957 book, Sultan in Oman, trans icon, journalist Jan Morris describes the shift in oil production from a British majority share to an American majority in a matter of 15 years and credits Phillips for introducing American petroleum interests to Southern Arabia. Describing her 1955 visit to Dhofar with the Sultan, she writes, quote, I love this. The Americans themselves sent their huge trucks and trailers great distances over the mountains to the oil rigs. The highlands they were traversing had been all but unknown a few years before. Only one or two explorers had surveyed them and returned to tell their tales to the geographical societies. But now the oil men greased their axles in these mountains and exchanged anecdotes before they went to sleep and propped pictures of their nice young wives and hopeful children beside their blankets in the wilderness. End quote. In that vignette, Morris paints an evocative image of Wendell Phillips' fast-moving yet lasting impact on Southern Arabia. Furthermore, we would be remiss if we were to overlook that Phillips was the same man who formerly served as economic advisor to the Sultan of Oman Hmm. and also referred to himself as the director of antiquities there. 
If we approach Phillips as a foil for the development of the discipline, this project offers new glimpses into the intersections of archaeological research, petrocapitalism, and statecraft. With dimension added to the Wendell Phillips caricature, we can now see that he led a robust and complex career, and one that still deserves greater attention and nuance than this discussion can accommodate. I've shared with you only a small representative sample of appearances, either in passing or in depth, that he makes in the archives of others. Phillips' outsized role among Americans in the Arabian Peninsula brought with it many coincidences and many consequences. He's a productive entry point for future inquiry into the history of the discipline and particularly the place of American institutions and actors within the constellation of researchers from the global north that pioneered Arabian archaeology. I look forward to continuing this research, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you. Hey. So that was my paper. So That's, that's a really good paper. I, oh, thank you. I, I um, think you, um, like our friend Herb, you pulled on some really interesting threads. And, um, and you're going to tie them into cool knots. I, yeah. Um, yeah. So I am hoping that this will be, will be a book. I'm, uh, working on a, um, like a, like a biography, like a kind of straightforward, as straightforward as I'm capable of, uh, Hmm. biography of Phillips that I would like to, to publish as in sort of like as a trade book. So something that isn't quite so. The, uh, the Kataban and Sheba of your, of this era. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So somebody can review it and be like, this research when it's published will be great. <laughs> uh, which actually, yeah, that's actually, uh, yeah, that's true. Because um, I, I th- think that my like doctoral research will focus on these more um, complica- complex relationships, like the ones between, like I said, mm. research, petrocapitalism and statecraft, um, and will extend beyond just this one guy. Um, because it, 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 it's a weird look uh, for uh, someone to be so single-mindedly into someone. Um, it reminds me of um, that uh, the film Ten Things I Hate About You, the girl who's like, like, oh, you're like a fan of Shakespeare, and she's like, we're involved. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I want to be that girl. <laughs> um, yep. But but yeah, so this is this was sort of my first foray. Um, and I, um, if you loved this and you're going to be at the American Anthropological Association, um, listeners also enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this one is going to focus more on the question of legitimacy okay. um, and what, Teaser. what makes oh, what makes one legitimate and what. Yeah, what's a scholar and what's a illegitimate. Yeah. Yeah. And um, why? Why do academics have their heads up their own butts? Yeah. But it's the yep. it's Wendell Phillips and the question of legitimacy in archaeology. Um, cool. So yeah. So that's why I'm so I, proud of you, bud. Oh, thank you. I'm pretty proud of me too. Um, you should be. It, yeah. This is a good paper. I think folks had some fun with it. Uh, I think people learned stuff. Um, but yeah. So that's that's what listeners we've been up to. We've been taking care of ourselves and taking care of some stuff that's long overdue for ourselves. We've been doing our own thing. We're a pigtail, podcasters going their own ways. Um, and um, we are... Seven reco- minutes left. We're recovering from COVID. And <coughs> as you hear now. Um, 
And uh, so look out for some uh, really great stuff that's that's coming along. It actually will come out. I have the first Spooktober episode ah! uh, on the burner. So ah! uh, it's spooky. Oh, we got that content coming up over the hill. Uh, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Hope this was fun. There's going to be more of it. So <laughs> we love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.